0: Here's Lemieux, the center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux, oh my goodness, what a goal,
1: what a move, Lemieux, oh baby. There's a mistake and a
2: throwing puck.
0: Maybe for sure it's talking hockey, the hockey talking show, season three, episode twenty-four. I am co-host Tom, and I have got with me, as per the usual, it's co-host Randy. He's um, he's cherry picking today, folks. He's just hanging out down by the blue line there. What's going on, Randy?
1: Yeah, you know, I I back checked uh, in in preseason, so I felt I was good for the year. After that <laughs> one experience hang out by the blue line, uh, maybe get a stretch pass or two. If it goes past me, I'll just, uh, you know, saunter my way back to the bench or the face off dot. We'll see. Well, you you never know.
0: You never know. Yeah. And Hey, look, um, that's the prime place to be for, um, you know, those breakaways and whatever. And, and look, I've seen your wrist shot. It's pretty good. So you just cherry pick all you want and, uh, we'll, we'll let it slide for, you know, we're not too harsh on the back checking. So, Randy, today's episode, pretty pretty big one. As I mean, I feel like I'm saying this every week, pretty big. We've been having a real run of guests. Guess who we got today, Randy?
1: Who do we got, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> we got Dave Bedini, Randy. What, Dave the, Bedini. the hockey nomad himself?
0: Yes, that's right. That is 100% correct. Uh, front man of the Rio Statics, the Bedini band author of countless books i'm sure one could count them i didn't so there's
1: a, there's a lot of them
0: yeah there yeah. are
1: quite a few maybe a half dozen to a dozen
0: yeah for yeah. sure yeah um and uh yeah just like you say the hockey nomad He's uh, been and played pretty much like everywhere in the world he's a friend of uh, hockey night in Canada and all that and uh, you know like hockey day in Canada they always play a show there and stuff so yeah we got Dave Bedini on the show today and uh, so that interview will be coming up a little bit later in the episode so make sure you stay tuned for that cuz it's going to be a good one
1: and He's, i have to uh, mention actually i have to mention we did tease that our our former teammate and that's right. and uh of steel uh player punk rocker portage la prairie Icon, Chris Hanna, uh, yeah. not joining us this week,
0: but very so soon. guitarist so, for Propaganda.
1: So yeah. we, uh, you know, we're, we'll just keep you, uh, you know, keep you hanging on here for a little bit. But hey, in the meantime, uh, Dave Bedini uh, had some great stories for us and and some awesome hockey takes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to pick, you know, some of our best guests lately, but we're on a serious tear Um, But the way that we felt like it's like it's playoffs, you know, you gotta, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta go for it. You gotta, everyone's gotta gotta
0: be better than the last. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta keep going. Yeah. But I just feel like, yeah, it's just like, we've been so lucky and, uh, to have such great guests and Randy, you've been doing a real bang up job working the phones there. So, um, you know, I'm trying to get corporate to, uh, compensate you accordingly, but you know, they're being real hard asses. And uh, it's a pandemic,
1: you know, it's a pandemic. So, (laughs) but also actually before we go any further, uh, we have to give up some major props to our boy Keebler who helped us hook up some, some other recent guests. So true. You know, it's, it's a team effort. Like just, just like the playoffs, it's a team effort. Exactly. Uh, Everyone's got a role to play and you just get pucks deep and get good guests.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for listening uh, listeners uh, for tuning in, downloading, Streaming, uh, rate and review, so hit the subscribe button, all that stuff. That's awesome. Uh, keep keep that up. So this is episode 24, like I mentioned. And, uh, you know, Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show, we like to give our episodes a name uh, according to the guy who wore that number. And we're going back into the Toronto Maple Leaf uh, history. Um. I was going to say the canons of history, but I don't. Then I was like, I don't think that's a word. But anyway, the,
1: the depths. This is this is a, this is a, like a. If you think about like music and and albums, this is a deep cut. I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> a
0: deep cut. Yeah. Of Toronto Maple Leaf history. We're going with number twenty-four defenseman named one of the best body checkers of all time, Brian Glennie. Now that guy, if you don't know him, uh, you're probably not of a certain vintage. Like I never, he was before my time. I don't know him from that. I just know him from, you know, like reading about hockey and stuff. And like, he looked like, if you Google image, search him, he looks like a hockey player, like from, you know, he, he had some, he was in the no helmet era, the seventies, right. The wild seventies of the NHL. And he was a pretty much like a leaf, a lot that lifelong leaf, um, he ended his career playing 18 games for the LA Kings. But other than that, he was a Toronto Maple Leaf and, um, you know, scored a grand total of 14 goals in his career. But uh, Hey, that's he 14 was, more than me. That's exactly. <laughs> and, but he was, he was well known as a stay at home defenseman, a defensive defenseman, a big hitter. Um, he was partnered with such legends as like uh, Tim Horton, Um you know, and uh, just sort of like uh, Bore, what, Salming?
1: Borea uh, Salming.
0: Borea. I couldn't, have, I'm like fucking Don Cherry over here. I can't say names. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a, the just a beauty of the game and uh, Toronto Maple Leaf in honor of uh, our guest, Dave Bedini, who is a GTA Huge guy. Huge Leafs
1: fan. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, he's, this is the br- episode, Glennie. Um, Oh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Hungry Man ad that he did with Lanny McDonald, Uh, an absolute (laughs) classic. Um, What's the line? It'll turn turn a... strong man into a pussycat or something <laughs> and and then Lanny's like meow.
1: Whatever whatever it is it seemed like it was written on the spot and they did one <laughs> yeah. take. <laughs>
0: yeah. So make sure to YouTube that one up. But here's here's a list of honorable mention 24s for you. We got Bob Probert, maybe the most legendary knuckle chucker ever.
1: Actually on topic here if you haven't folks out there, we were talking about, Oh, we're going to talk about hockey movies with Davidini. but yeah. what list, watch the, the Bob Probert documentary. It is phenomenal. Okay. Number 24. Keep going.
0: Okay. Um, sticking to that era that Probert played in, you got Doug Wilson, uh, ended up coaching and maybe still is GM um,
1: of San Jose sharks
0: still right. maybe, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, Lyle Odeline, Stanley Cup winning defenseman for the uh, Montreal Canadiens and just general sort of like stay-at-home tough guy defenseman. Um,
1: I bet you he fought Probert once or twice. Probably
0: did at some point, for sure. Uh, Chris Chelios is another guy who wore 24. Um, so what you're discovering now is a 24 is a, is a defenseman's number, pretty much. Probert's Seems a forward, to
1: be. though. Probert's a forward.
0: That's right. Uh, but... There's that's cool. four to five. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the workhorse from Whitehorse, your favorite, Dylan Cousins, he wears 24. He's a forward. Jim Paplinski for the Calgary Flames back in the day, he wore 24. He was a forward. My theory is going out the window here. <laughs> yeah. uh, it Bernie Sterko, forward. He was a forward. <laughs> so, okay. My theory doesn't hold any water. Terry O'Reilly, famous uh, Oshawa general, Boston Bruin. Uh, I think he's, I think he's well-known as a pretty nice guy. Uh, he wore 24,
1: but he, he definitely Chuck knuckles for sure.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, and past guest Ken Reed said all the tough guys like that, they were always the nicest guys. eh? so, um, but yeah, Terry O'Reilly was also a forward. So, uh, but I do have one last defenseman that makes the list and that's, uh, he's a young guy. He plays for Carolina he played for Team Canada in like World Juniors Jake Bean and the reason I'm including him well he wore 24 but me and my brother really loved it when he played on Team Canada we would always be Bean like Mr. Bean so <laughs> hey fan, here's Jake a Bean. question
1: here's a question if if uh if uh Dennis Bayak was doing play-by-play for a Carolina game would he say Jake Bean like his first and last name, you know, like how there's players where he says first and last name or he just says their last name. But to me, Jake Bean seems like he would say both names. Uh, I don't know if it's a a syllable thing or what, but
2: (laughs) (laughs) But there are like,
1: but also it's not a syllable thing because when it comes to Nino Niederreiter, he always would say, (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of syllables in that one. So anyways, uh, but yeah, we're, we're actually running out of time here. And yeah, let's move on here. And we, and we speaking go of Dennis
0: Bayek, Why don't we talk a little bit of jets right now? They're in the midst of the playoffs. We were kind of going to go around the whole playoffs, but we don't have time for that.
1: Yeah. Let's we'll wait for a, you know, a deeper, you know, yeah, next yeah. week, once we're a little, you know, a week or two into playoffs.
0: Yeah. But let's talk a little jets. They're they're uh playing the Edmonton Oilers right now. Um, Game two is happening tonight, uh, or well, last night, I guess. Podcast coming out Saturday. Um, so, Jets won the first game. What do you, what, what's your take on, I guess, the outlook of the series after winning the first game?
1: Well, it's a classic. I guess you could say, play, uh, game one was a classic playoff battle where the top two lines kind of canceled out each other. And then it was the, the, you know, the depth players that made the difference like Toninato, Dominic
0: Toninato, Uh,
1: you know, I thought Nate Thompson and uh, you know, Trevor Lewis, a guy like Tucker Pullman, who scores the
0: opening goal for the jets. Like those. Tucker Pullman had one point all year, one assist, but if you think the
1: the bubble last year, he was also really good in the bubble, like for the Jets in in the, in the play in round there. So it's like, maybe it's going to come down to that. Like if you can neutralize, um, Connor McDavid with with you know Shifley and Wheeler and and Seidel with with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Stasny and stuff like if you can kind of like even even Steven those top two lines and then it's like can your third and fourth line win you the game yeah and that that's a recipe for, for success in the playoffs and also I think so you can you you know you can't fault uh you know Connor Connor Hellebuck had a great game uh, I he think was, his save save percentage was like 950 or even higher or something. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um I was kind of surprised to see the outcome of that game. Um you know, I'm I don't know. It's like it's playoffs one game at a time. I don't know. Uh,
0: exactly. You can't get too high off one win because you still got 3 to go to knock this team off, right? So and the Oilers are a good team. They're you know, I think people don't give them the credit for they always say it's a two man team, but like you got Darnell nurse and you got like, uh, you know, Barry and they, they like, they've, they've got a half decent team, right? Like Larson's decent well, back there. Like
1: Nugent Hopkins, uh, James yeah. Neal, Zach Cassian. Yeah.
0: Uh, I like Ethan bear on defense. Yeah. Like I like that guy. Like, um, and Mike Smith, like, I mean, he played really well. I think, uh, you know, could you fault him for the Tucker Pullman goal? Maybe, no, that was whatever. that was a defensive error. Yeah.
1: Um, th- yeah, anyways. Um but that being said, you bringing up Mike Smith, if the Jets can light him up for some goals, if you think back to the the bubble last year how Chicago you know mm-hmm. beat beat out edmonton
0: did koskinen and Ned? i think a, a fair bit during the bubble last year did they not
1: well mike smith led in f- five goals in that first game and then they went they went to koskinen and
0: then they went with koskinen
1: so yeah like i yeah. think um you know that that's maybe the 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 chink in their armor that you can or the you know the in the chain if, if he you know that you could maybe wear them out but um i don't know it's only game 2 We'll see what
0: happens. Yeah, well, we'll see how this game two goes. And uh, by the time you listen to this, you'll know how it went. So, uh, not really too much point in prognosticating about it. But, like, I do think um, that, you know, the Jets, if they play that way, they've got a pretty solid chance. And like you're saying, leave it to the bottom six to grind out a couple goals for you. The top two lines can cancel each other out. And that's playoff hockey, baby.
1: And one last thing. We got about a minute to go here. but. They're at, the Jets are adding Pierre-Luc Dubois tonight to the lineup. Right. Uh, if they, you know, win or lose again tonight, uh, it looks like Ehlers is is very close. So that's got to be, you know, that's a good point. Like, you know, the Jets kept, you know, have played a good game one. And, and each game as they go by, they're basically adding like a, a very, a, yeah. a, you know, valuable depth, you know, a strong piece to the team. So, uh, you know, that goes well for the Jets too.
0: Getting Nikolai Ehlers back will be huge for them because that guy is a great player. And um, you know, just so so speedy, and just a top-notch dude like a top-notch dude like this dude that we're gonna hear sing a song right now. We're gonna throw to a song because our guest David Bedini, is standing by. We got to get to him. This is Hockey Sock Rock by the New York Rangers, written by none other than Growing Pains father Alan
2: Thicke. So mad nearly clobbered me How was I I know he was a referee It's the the Hockey Sock Rock, 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 rock. It's the Hockey Sock rock. Rock, 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 rock What do you think? Boogie down to the ring? You gotta come and do the Hockey Sock Rock Everybody's dancing to the Hockey Rock sound Come on, get up, break away, get down Hold on, you socks don't need no shoes Slip and slide away those blues And do the hockey sock rock, 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 rock That's the hockey sock a rock, rock, rock You're my favorite chick, you're my first draft pick Come on and do the hockey sock rock Rock, 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 rock,
0: Thank you, Dave, for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Tom. (laughs) And uh, just uh, for the listeners, uh, where where are you calling in from today? Where are we connecting with you? Calling from
3: uh, my hometown, Toronto. Well, my hometown is Etobicoke, I guess. Is that even a
0: town? Um, I'm calling from the GTA. The GTA. Nice. (gasps) I'm calling from the 416. Yes. (laughs) the 6 i guess as it's uh... just know i am I'm, I'm actually in the 416 oh,
2: okay <laughs>
3: i like to use i like to use the complete unlike drake i yeah. like, to, like to use the complete the complete i like to respect all the numbers in the area code
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're there for a reason tom i hear that <laughs> yeah absolutely so uh dave why don't we just start here with a little uh, Dave Bedini background as far as hockey goes like how does a young Dave get into hockey like is he have you always been into it like as a kid um or did you come to it kind of later in in your life I think I opened my
3: eyes and there was hockey (laughs) um you know in 1963 in Canada and Toronto there wasn't there wasn't a lot um you know, and hockey was 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 the, was pretty dominant, like in our in our culture, in our house, and our on the street, and in the school, and it was probably a really a sports kind of you know a monoculture in a lot of ways. And um, but yeah, you know, I think I read about this in Keon and me. You know, when I was a kid, my teacher asked me what my favorite color was, and I was like in grade three or something. And I you know that's a ser- that's a kind of schooling that's expected of, of you in grade three. And, and what's your favorite color? And I said, blue. And I, I, I am sure. And the reason I said blue is because it's from Maple Leafs for blue. And, um, you know, as I got a little bit older and um, you know, hockey was a, an excuse to stay up late. Right. Like uh, when you're really young, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's usually a time when the adults are up, it's an adult world. And, you know, so Wednesdays and Saturdays, but mostly Saturdays, you're allowed to, to, to be with them and to be, you know, up past the, you know, the clock and, and, um, living in that world. So there's that. And, 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 and also I think, you know, um, like a vague memories of 1967, you know, of, of seeing the cover of the Globe and Mail and there being confetti, uh, in the air. And I remember that I can still remember that. I remember that photo of George Armstrong and the Stanley cup and confetti and wondering what that was. Yeah, what that wasn't what well, what that was in the air, and and then you know in in through the early seventies and, and 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 skating a little bit too. Like I, uh, I wasn't really a like a committed hockey player really as a kid. I mean, I guess I kind of flirted with it. I was named player of the week once at Pine Point Arena, and but the burden was too much for me to bear. You know, <laughs> Eleven years old, I, it was really it was it was such a, it was interesting lesson about you know about about um. Achievement, I guess. Like there come there comes a certain responsibility with it. I think a little bit, and then I remember, you know, it's the player of the week, and they put you, they would put your like hockey photo up on the stand when you walked into the arena, nice. and it was like, fuck this. Yeah, it was a great <laughs> feeling, but it was also a terrifying feeling because you just too much pressure, right? And I couldn't handle <laughs> it. And then I remember I was like a, they I remember a coach telling me that I was like a high pick the next year when they were drafting the teams and that was kind of, that led to my way out of the game, honestly. And then really I fell out of love with sports for, for, for a handful of years. And that's when you're kind of, when, when I was getting into music too, and they're always that, you know, that jock punk divide, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but I read in, in, in 1984 and, and then I heard back in love with it um, after.
1: So, so Dave, uh, take us through just some of your er- like early years of playing. Like, uh, like how how many years of what you have played? And like, did you do any traveling like with your team back then, or was it a lot of just um, hockey around Toronto and, and the and the city there?
3: I mean, it was strictly it was strictly house league for me. You know, it was never anything beyond that. I would have there would have been you know there would would have been good. Like Dave Reed was from Etobicoke. Glenn Sharply was from Etobicoke. Paul Coffee you know, Dryden lived pretty close by. Um, there were, um, you know, Turk Broda, right. Rita Tushingham, Turk Broda's daughter um, who eulogized him uh, a few years ago at the Air Canada Center after, after he passed away, she lived one street over from me. And I remember Turk lived with her, you know, the later years of his life. And um, I think he passed away at home at her home too. Um And um, so there was a lot of hockey around, but, um, but I wouldn't have, you know, and mostly really my memories of that time, other than that player of the week thing. And and probably I remember my first goal at Centennial Arena. um, I remember scoring it, you know, I remember vividly scoring it. um, Played online with two other Daves too. It was the Dave line. I only remember (laughs) Dave's coffee. I don't remember the other Dave, but um, that was, that was huge. And then, but then, you know, my memories are also of, you know, coaches got a little bit more cruel. You know, they became a little bit more serious. Um, there was that disparity in um, just the physical nature of players. So you'd be playing with, you know, other kids who were 13, you know, 14 that were becoming giants, you know, and it was contact, it's contact hockey, right. When at that age. And I remember with Jim Hurst, you know, who was, he, um, I was in high school with him at Kipling Collegiate and, you know, he was really a misunderstood kid. And I think now we'd be able to kind of navigate his personality a lot more, you know, a lot easier knowing what we know about kids and behavior and mental health. And I remember Jim had like wild binder drawings, right? Like, like he would spend all day, he would never listen to, what the teacher was saying. And he failed a lot of courses, a lot of classes, but he had amazing, like he was the king of the binder art. Right. Which I think <laughs> I really yeah. think was something, yeah. but he was considered you know, kind of a problem. Anyways, Jim Hurst, I kind of, I, I had a year where I was, we were friends. Right. And I think it was kind of two misfits, maybe sort of finding each other a little bit, but I remember playing it at pine point and he was on the opposite team. And I came over the blue line with the puck and, you know, was going to go in to shoot and he just skated across the ice with his elbow, like held up, up, held to his chin. And he just destroyed me.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) Trolley tracks.
3: Yeah. Just, well, I wasn't even cutting into the middle. Like I was just going down the wing and he just came straight over and he, and he hammered me and I was out cold and I was like, and when I, you know, when I came to, it was, uh, Uh, you know, I I don't even think he got a penalty. And um, I, uh, I just wondered, like, it it made me real, like it made me think that it it made me question um, kind of the arena or the realm of hockey that, you know, it was a place that could allow kind of kids to do that to each other. So that really kind of turned me off it for a bit. Um, And again, this is seventies, right? So their (laughs) people's eyes and ears were not, tuned to that sort of behavior too it was a free-for-all and still is in certain parts but it's also made a ton of progress too right sure. um so yeah so i remember a lot about that but and i also remember i remember skating outdoors a lot too and with my dad playing outdoors and 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 how great that was um and then and then, like i said like it wasn't until i was a bit older that i was able i was able to do all of that stuff again and really enjoy it because i just had figured out the world a little bit more
0: So then, so then fast forwarding to, I think you said 1984, you kind of got back into hockey. Is that, is that when you would have maybe joined like a beer league or is, um, and and then uh, rumor has it you're a goalie. So um, maybe, maybe just tell us a little bit about your beer league uh, glory days here. And uh, if you're still playing and uh, you know, how, how did you end up being a goalie? I guess if you're, you, you know, was that a conscious decision or did somebody say, Hey Dave, you're in nets? No, I, so
3: I wasn't, I wasn't a, a goalie. Certainly in the early days, I wasn't, I was a, I was a, a winger. And then, um, in 1984 I was, um, I was, uh, uh the music director of at the York uh, campus radio station, CHRY. And, um, uh, my friend Robbie Sheffman, who lives in Victoria, BC right oh. now, he was the program director, I think. And, um, he said let's well, let's head back to um go back to my place he had an apartment uh close to the campus and uh you know we'll get stoned eat craft dinner listen to records it will be great <laughs> so
2: um
3: i uh so i i got in the car and um went uh went over there and when i turned the radio on uh in the car it was um it was joe bowen uh, broadcasting the, the um, semifinal of the 1984 Canada Cup between um, Canada and Soviet Union uh, that had happened in Calgary. So it was a, so September, early days of, of that year, um, uh, that school year. So I drove there, and um, I owe it a lot to, to Joe. You know, I, I, I was studying uh, English literature at the time, and the way he was describing what was happening was very Shakespearean to me almost, um you know the game was tied I think and it, there was there was great drama um and I was just sucked in by the, by the by the narrative by the you know the the nature of that game and it just sort of um it sort of it tweaked something in my memory because I ignored hockey really up until that and that gap that I wasn't really in love with it or aware of it so um, I drove back to Robbie's place I drove to Robbie's place went up to the, his apartment and, uh, sat in the couch and he br- took out a Lou Reed record, Lou Reed record called the bells. And he said, have you heard this? And I said, no, I don't really know that record. It's kind of a middle period for Lou. And he said, I'll put it on, check it out. And, um, turned the T, you know, he turned the TV on and, uh, <clears throat> and I said, can you just, can you find the game? And he said, Oh, you want to watch the game? I said, "Yeah, I guess so. I was just listening to it on the radio. I would like to check it out. So we put the game on, put the sound down. We listened to Lou Reed and, and just followed it, the game. And, you know, it's a, it was a epic, you know, epic game. The Canadians went out, you know, a three nothing lead. And then the the Russians tied it. And then they go to overtime and, um, uh, John Tinelli knocks down a Paul coffee shot from the point and they win. And, um, right uh, as that as the goal right after as the goal was scored the record ended and <laughs> oh. i could hear i could hear um like screams of joy um coming from all of the balk out of all the balconies yeah. of all the apartments surrounding uh the one that he lived in and so we went out onto the balcony and people had gathered And this is a really kind of gray apartment block um, up and downs view. And people were so excited. And it was at that moment that I thought like, wow, the power of this one thing to bring all of these people together to connect over this certain, you know, this one uh, event, this one incident, it made it immediately made me think it was something that I needed to rediscover. And it was that, uh, that, that winter that I started to take my skates um, down to Valley field Rink in Etobicoke. I would, be with my girlfriend uh, at her parents' place in Etobicoke and we'd hang out. And then before uh, before I headed downtown where I lived, I would skate. And that was the beginning of getting back into hockey for me. And then I would have just, and then um, just to fast forward a little bit, 1987 after our Rheostatic's first tour, I met the guys in a band called UIC from Exeter, Ontario. They were in Toronto living there and they had rented ice. They rented ice in McCormick Arena in Toronto and had a Sunday night, skate nice. um and then i so i went out and i bought like pieces together equipment and i played with them and i still play like dave robinson uh who was the lead singer for uic you know geez i mean we've we've been playing hockey together for like for more than 30 years That's awesome. and it was from, it was from there out of that skate that we started the morning stars and hockey team and we're i think next year or, yeah next year is our 28th I think year together and stuff and then so we would have started started the team and then started a league out of that team and 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 then it's and it's only recently that I kind of decided to try goaltending and yeah. um I also love it too it's just nice to be able to do two things i play left defense with the morning stars but i play goal um in all my other skates
1: yeah nice. dave it's totally great when you find that uh group of guys that you connect with and and you know end up uh you know you know, creating a team or building a team and taking that forward. Um, I'm supposed to ask, and this comes from John from, <laughs> from, from Bi- Billy talent. Um, I'm supposed to ask you about wraparounds and that's all he said.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> a good wraparound is not, is not beneath, is not beneath old Johnny there. Although he can score in me in so many other ways. It's like, I don't even know why. No, for me, it's like, okay, here's the deal. Like if I'm, okay, if I'm playing a league game, right? If I'm playing a game that counts for points, right? Um, and if there's refs and it's a thing, you can try the wraparound. I get that. But like 1030 in the morning on a Thursday <laughs> with a bunch of schlumps on the ice, you've got to, like, you've got to try to, like, and I am in goal, like a fucking 58-year-old, like rusty scarecrow of a goaltender like you've got to actually you are so desperate to score me that you can try a wraparound like it is the most undignified thing in like wreck you know wrecks wreck skates it's i can't believe pe- people still try it i just draw the line at that i'm like <laughs> i can tolerate everything else i can tolerate like slap shots from the circle like whatever you know all that kind of meathead stuff i can tolerate that but rounds, i don't know man I cannot. I there's no place for that in the game. That's my that's my soapbox. So is <laughs> is
1: John on a rival team or or how, how does yeah, that work? Yeah, we
3: just you know the um this Thursday skate is great. It's uh it's good. It's like a you know a bunch of you know mature guys who are like very adult about about um and very composed and 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 genteel almost about the way the game is like this game is I, i've never seen a single incident in, in this in this in this skate um but, uh, teams are uh usually uh uh one guy the guy who runs the skate great kind of sets the teams i think that's how it works honestly it's a goal i'm a goalie so it's not my fucking problem <laughs> like how the teams are set up. like it's one of the great things about being a goalie yeah so, um but the teams get mixed up sometimes, but it's generally the same group of guys that come out and play. And it's really, it's been really great to get to know John because I didn't really know John that well um, before we started spending our Thursday mornings together, but he's an awesome, awesome guy
0: and a lovely hockey player too. Right on. Um, So I guess uh, how do, you know, you've had a long career of music and art and writing and 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 everything like that, and then and then a love affair of with hockey that goes back, you know, from the earliest days. And uh, I just I wonder, like, how is the process of, especially with like say the Rio Statics um, or Bedini Band or whatever, like, what is how's the process of uh, working hockey? into some of your songs or music, is it, um, like are the other guys in the band into hockey or are you just like, all right, boys, we're, uh, we're going to do a hockey song now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the way she goes. Or like, you know, uh, I, I guess also like there, there's that lyric you were talking about Joe ba- Bowen, Bowen, sorry. Um, and, and he's the holy old Mackinac guy, right? And, and yeah. there's the, the lyric in that song on Melville that, yeah holy old mackinac joe or or something like that right um so is that i guess what i'm asking long (laughs) long way around it here but uh yeah like what's the process kind of of mixing hockey and uh, and your your music and not really yeah
3: no there wasn't really a i mean right
0: writing's different that's probably
3: a different answer but i can speak to that too but no you know when we did um you know, we were me and me and Dave Clark, the uh, Riassthetics' uh, uh, longtime original drummer, and now our current drummer. He and one of my oldest friends. Um, we were in a really weird band called Us Not Them, with a bunch of like old artists. I shouldn't call them old because they're <laughs> they weren't that much older, but they seemed they had just been kind of more. They more world weary. They were they were artists, freaky artists, and um, they had a they had a band and they needed you know, they needed a guitar player and a drummer. So we sat in and, um, it was awesome. And we would rehearse with them at the corner of Dundas and Ossington, right next to a Portuguese strip joint. Um, and we would, um, the whole scene was really kind of seedy and really mature and, but we, it was great spending time with these guys. And, um, Clarky and I were in our, we're in his dad's truck one night after this, uh, after a a rehearsal with those guys. And, um, we, I think maybe, I don't know, we just started singing about Wendell Clark for some just kind of probably just a goofy reason, honestly, for not even, I don't know, it just sort of happened. And we, you know, we wrote the ballad of Wendell Clark out of that. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was never really kind of, it wasn't necessarily like a, you know, a a conscious attempt to, to, you know, it was just kind of a funny thing to do. Yeah. It just happened. And um and you know, that song it was interesting, just like how it ca- it caught the uh, captured the attention of a lot of people and um and uh so that kind of you know started it but but we also wanted to you know and, and then in the future you know, going down going you know, later on if we you know we have the song Queer, which is about um, you know, uh, a, a brother uh, who exacts kind of, um, uh, not revenge, but he sort of stands up to his, for his brother mm-hmm. who has um, left town because he's come out uh, to his family and, well, his dad. And, you know, this brother is playing a hockey game and the other kids are riding him because of this brother's gay. And um, So there's, that's a setting for one song. And then I wrote a song about Brian Fogarty based on a story that Jeff Jackson told me So, um, it just kind of, I think it has to evolve kind of naturally. We don't sort of try to force it. Um, but listen, if you're writing about, you know, where you live and who you are, um, it's hard to not, it's hard to sort of to avoid writing about that. Um, and, uh, it's just a big part of the tapestry of my life too. And then with, with writing, you know, um, I wanted to write Tropic of Hockey in the beginning because there weren't a lot of books like that. Yeah. You know, a lot of the hockey writing at that time um, was really all sort of player biographies and stuff, like biographies of famous players. There wasn't really a lot of hockey literature. There were a few titles, but there wasn't really a lot that kind of shot off in a different direction or tried to look at look at the game in a different direction, in a different way, in a different light. So that's so that's that's how that. And also didn't want to just write another book about the NHL. I wanted to write a book about, about playing hockey and yeah. to sort of, I wanted to see it kind of being born in new places and kind of look at, look at the, the essence of it, right. And the essence of play and, and, uh, reflected in different places and around the world. And that's how, that's how that happened. And then there's Keon and me, which is kind of a reflection back into my, you know, youth and, and what it was like to to grow up and also a search for my hero, before this is before dave dave became a big part of the leaf world you know this is when he was kind of in exile and um and then there's a few other titles too but um, i always seem to come back to it um i feel it's a really kind of a fertile fertile ground for me to 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 explore for sure S-
1: so dave i've got a couple film questions for you uh number one uh actually is is from hockey nomad the 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 film that followed Mm. your book um yeah are you the first and only person ever to carry your hockey gear through a desert (laughs) well
3: i think some of those arab dudes probably did
1: yeah those are uh, those are phenomenal shots
3: thanks thanks yeah i have i sort of have the distinction of um you know uh playing on an all Arab team in the, in the desert. And I also got, got to, so I was the only Canadian on that, that Arab team at that tournament. And then I was the only Canadian uh, who played with the Russian old timers in Russia. So it's been nice to kind of just be this sort of interloper um, in these other hockey cultures, you know, and um, but that was great. You know, Mike Downey was the director of uh, Gord's brother, was a, he hates when I call him Gord's brother, but he is. <laughs> um, but Mike and Nick Dupontier, the cinematographer, um, were uh, we were out in the desert getting shots, and uh, Wadi, who was our driver, um, for some reason, like he just like the, the 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 sand started to come up. It started to get quite windy, and um, the, 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 the so the, the desert moves around, right? It's an active thing, and it all of a sudden, like we couldn't get out of the desert. Um, because the, the truck was stuck. So, um, thankfully I had my hockey bag and a couple of hockey sticks. So if you were three Canadian guys and a couple of Arab dudes, like digging the rear tires <laughs> yeah. um, of the truck out of the sand with our hockey sticks. Right. So it was just a fucking beautiful, like collision of yeah. cultures. Right. And we finally ended up getting the truck moving, but I remember being out on that desert. Um, and you know, hearing the calls of prayer, like come across the desert and, um, it was uh it was it's been amazing like the places that hockey has brought me to you know um and, you know in hong kong i remember scoring the the winning goal for the the this team that i played for over there and um looking up uh it was the, the rink was kind of in the middle of a food court um yeah. <laughs> uh, with, with um with like about like a two levels of a uh, two level food court and there was a rink in the middle of it. It was so bizarre. And, um, but I remember scoring the goal and um they played spirit of radio by rush. Yeah. And I remember yeah. looking up to the, the, the top level and uh, Gordy and Colleen Howe were there um, oh, no looking, at watching the game because they'd been brought over to China to be part of this tournament. So, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, when I, when I think about, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, the game, um, you know, giving, giving so much to me, like, these are like real tangible experiences that I wouldn't yeah. have had in any other circumstance had I not fallen in love with that game again, you know? So it's been a great, it's a, been a great way for me to discover the world for sure. Yeah. That's unreal. So,
1: uh, something that Tom and I have discussed on the show before, and I've I meant to ask other people, other other guests, but could you tell us your favorite hockey movie and why why it's your favorite hockey movie?
3: Um, yeah, uh, favorite hockey movie. I mean, I like. I remember there was a, 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 a an ABC after school special called "The Boy Who Drank Too Much," um, starring Scott and Lance (laughs) Kerwin and Scott was a teenage alcoholic who um, played on they played on the same hockey team and um, and I remember you know like Lance has to kind of confront him about his drinking and um, I saw that as a kid and that really like had a huge kind of impact on me Um, there's another movie called Perfectly Normal um, if people haven't seen it they should really try to see it it was written by a friend of a mentor and mentor of mine Paul Corrington the great uh, the late great um, novelist who also wrote King Leary but he wrote Perfectly Normal and um, it takes place in Montreal but it's uh, about an um, an opera singer played by Robbie Coltrane and um, uh, his his friend this person that he befriends in Montreal um, the film was actually shot in Toronto but um, the um, the his best friend is a goaltender for a Montreal beer league team um, and they have a coach which is really funny because it's just a beer league team but uh, the coach is played by Kenneth Welsh who was also in Whale Music and who's a great actor um, and so those two I kind of think about a lot I mean the obvious answer I guess would be sort of slap shot and I still I still love that movie and I still watch it for all of its kind of problems it's like you know problems that we're aware of now I, it, it's Still a, it's a fantastic piece of work yeah yeah, th- yeah i one, haven't
1: i haven't seen those first two so those are great recommendations i'm going to check them out
0: yeah for yeah, sure Yeah, please um yeah and, and slapshot of course highly quotable and one of those movies you can just kind of throw on anytime time and be like oh i guess i'll watch this you know it's uh <laughs> no problems there um i think yeah i think there's been some really great you know like a lot of the i
3: mean a lot of the um you know, like the ice warrior type films, you know, the films about, you know, the one with Chris Nyland, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but I think those, those were really great films. Um, and Gabe, Gabe Polsky's films are, are brilliant too. You know, Red Army. Um, is mm. a brilliant yeah. Great documentary. Work
1: and, yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I haven't seen the Red Penguin, but I've, I've been told that's really, really brilliant too. So yeah, he's an amazing dude and he's, those are great films
1: i'm a I'm a big young but young blood fan so uh, it's 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 <laughs> yeah, a, a yeah, close close yeah. number two for a slap shot for me yeah
3: we, um <laughs> young, yeah we had a night at the Gladstone um three years ago maybe where um uh it, we did a, we had a young, um, uh, let, me, uh, let me just give it some context i uh, until recently obviously with COVID i played goal um uh for uh a skate that my wife uh, is part of at McCormick on the small ice. It's 30 um, women and me and um, Sean are the only guys who play and we're both the, goal, the goalies. And it's an amazing crew of people. And um, uh, one of the women we skated with is a woman named Christina Zeidler and she, she owned the Gladstone Hotel up until recently, which is where our newspaper's offices were. Anyways, <laughs> we hatched a plan. Young blood came up in the dressing room one night, and we hatched a plan to do a Young Blood night at the Gladstone Hotel. And nice. so, when you walked, when you walked in, you had to declare whether you were gay for Patrick Swayze or Rob Lowe, <laughs> and you were given a different color bandana to wear. And um, the night was the musical element of the night was every a bunch of people who were part of the skate and also some friends of the skate. Everybody did songs from 1986, I think it is. So um, whenever that movie came out, maybe it's maybe it's later than that. I'm not sure, but it was so fun, and we made these T-shirts with half of Rob's face and half of Patrick Swayze's face. It's uh, it was it was a beautiful celebration, and we screened the film. We had the Youngblood trivia. It was it was it was a lot about Youngblood. It was, but it was so fun.
0: That's it's amazing. amazing. So fun. Yeah, yeah. Randy's going to kill me because I've actually never seen Youngblood. And uh, my wife and I were, it's like on our must watch list because she's, she's like, whoa, Rob Lowe is so hot and we have to see this. <laughs> but uh, a funny I remember like touring Thunder Bay
3: and that's where it's set ostensibly. But somebody yeah. said, I remember they were really offended because at some point I can't remember whose character, but there's an injury to one of the players and then they have to, Medivac him out of town to like yeah. get a CAT scan, and my friend was like, "We we've got that in Thunder Bay." And like yeah. that was they really for some reason that was the one thing they found. Uh, uh they they took on bridge with because yeah. it was portrayed as a bit of a backwater, even though it kind of is. But never mind. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, Dave, we are we're uh, running out of time here. So one last question. Um, I'm curious to know who is your favorite, who's your all time favorite hockey player. Um,
3: well, I, you know, uh, you, the hockey player that was probably most important to me, um, like growing up was Dave Keon and, um, you know, and that's why, why I wrote that book about, yeah. about him and, um, uh, but, but, but I think Wendell is probably, I mean, I, I know it's a cop out to sort of suggest that I have two sort of favorites, but um, I I I think everybody's got a few. (laughs) Yeah. They both arrived at really kind of pivotal moments, you know, times in my life, I guess. And, um, and uh, you know, I still, you know, when I still just kind of even like see Wendell at events or whatever, you know, like I just can't believe like what a, what an amazing human being he is and what a, just a great, a great guy you know and the last time i was one of the last times i was with him although i guess we would have seen him in Yellowknife. but you know i do this thing i do a concert every year for hockey day in canada and whatever whatever in whatever city it's happening and a couple of couple of years ago we were in swift current um you know like one of the coldest weeks of my life it was so freezing we did the show um at the local there's a beautiful theater in the casino and um uh I remember we were backstage and I said I was going for beers, anybody else want beers? And Wendell was like, Oh yeah, give me a couple of beers. So uh I went out to the to the bar and um Brunt Brunt was there, Steven, and uh we got into a like a like really good conversation. I can't remember what it was about exactly. We were really like drawn into it and we were talking and it I realized shit, I got Wendell's beers, right? <laughs> And, and, but it was really interesting conversation. I had to kind of cut him off when I said, like, I got to go. I got to get Wendell his beers. And when I, I couldn't find Wendell, I had these beers, couldn't find him. And I think I had, like, four, like, an arm of beers. And it turned out he was sitting, like, in the theater. And as I kind of walked out, he was like, "Hey!" And he, like, kind of waved at me and waved his arms. And I was like, oh, fuck, Wendell's pissed, man. I, <laughs> I took way too like He was dying for a beer. And I, and it, I, I realized then. Um, yeah. Not to, uh, never do that again. Like I, <laughs> I felt so bad. So I got him his gears and it was fine. But, um, it's, uh, yeah, he was, uh, man, I, I mean, I lived I, even when he, no matter what team he played with, you know, he's one of those few players. I think that I really loved watching even when he wasn't a leaf, right. It was just like, I followed his, followed his career and watched him as much as I could. And, Anyway, so, so both both those dudes, and Keon was really great to me, too, when I got a chance to meet him, and he was, like, I wrote that whole fucking book about his life, man, and he only had one criticism of, of it, and it wasn't even about him. It was about a really minor figure in the book, a former Ottawa Nationals GM. It was about how I portrayed just some sort of deal that never happened between Keon in the WHA, and he was like, "Well, the thing that you said about that guy wasn't exactly right." And it was the only thing <laughs> like I wrote intimately about everything about his life, and he let me. And that's that's a pretty good dude who'll let you do that. So, yeah, yeah, both those guys are great.
1: And before we let you go, can what, can you tell us about the two songs that you uh, you brought to us today?
3: Oh yeah, um, well, "Hockey." You know the Jane Sibri, that my the epigram that starts "Tropic of Hockey" is taken from that uh, a live version of that song and the line of hockey is a road that you follow. And, um, and that, that's just a beautiful, beautiful, it's a beautiful song, but you know, she's a, the last person you would have thought that maybe would write about, about the game, but she did a beautiful job. So um, I love that. And I also like hockey sock rock is a ridiculous piece of music written by Alan Thicke starring, New York Rangers on one side, the LA Kings on the other. I think the Rangers, that group that that group that's on that. I love Espo too. He's I have such a soft spot for that guy. But so it's Espo, Ronnie Duguay, Ron Greshner, Anders Hedberg, um, John Davidson. Um, I'm trying, I think I might be missing one, but it's that 1979, 80s uh, Ranger vintage. Um, it's a pretty Pat Hickey, I think, is on that record too. That's the studio Fifty Four Rangers, right? You can't, yeah. You yeah. no flies on those guys. They, they lived a pretty good life, and <laughs> I didn't even want to go there. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's a great. So that's a great record, and the flip is really good too. With uh, the "Please Excuse My Misconduct Last Night" is this is the song that the Kings do, another Alan Fick composition. So Charlie Simmer, Marcel Dion, um, Dave Taylor, um, and somebody
0: else I can't remember. But it's a – yep, so that's it. I love it. That's a – Right on. Hockey, then what, obviously, you know, the players uh, are, are like now, but it's uh, it's amazing. I love it. So – but uh, I guess we're pretty much all out of time here. So, Dave, we uh, really, really appreciate you coming on the show. It's a pleasure talking hockey with you. Uh, we like to tell everybody you know keep your stick on the ice uh, check your lie quick shifts uh here we go now right on yeah keep those shifts short there's nothing that a goaltender likes to see least than somebody who's sucking air out there
2: <laughs>
3: trying to do a little bit too much only <laughs> it only gets us in trouble so
1: yeah right on Dave thanks for your time right on' leave go.
2: cool in time on the frozen river. And the afternoon, you are playing hockey on the river. Ruffy. you have that scar on his chin forever. Someday's his girlfriend will say, hey, where? And he might look out the window or not. You skate as fast as you can, till you hit the snowbank. That's how you stop. And you get your sweater from the hair. ¡Gracias! dying down